begin this morning talking directly to my good friend Stuart Peck over here. I want to tell you I've tried and really thought a lot about it in the last couple of days, and I just... I cannot do it any differently. I just simply cannot do it. And, and now most of you, I think Stuart knows exactly what I'm talking about, and most of you probably are like, what in the world is he doing up there? My good friend came to me this past week, and, and I don't know if there was an issue. There was somebody had maybe raised an issue about the, the sound of our recordings on our sermon, that maybe there was an issue with the sound and, and maybe Stuart needed to check it out. So Stuart said, listen, I went back and I listened to like the first 10 seconds of, I mean, 15 or 20 sermons. I mean, loads of sermons, but just the first 10 or 15 seconds and then moved on to the next one, the next 10 or 15 seconds of that. And then the next sermon, the first 10 or 15 seconds. And then what does he tell me? He says, you know what? I was entertained by the fact that you began every single one of your lessons exactly the same way, with good morning. It's good to see you this morning. And I thought, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something different. So for the past couple of days, I have really, really thought, well, what can I say? Well, what can I do differently? What phrase can I come up with? But all I kept thinking about is, it is a good morning. That we're here, and I am glad and happy to see each and every one of you. So, what I think I've really landed on is good morning, it's good to see you, it is just now going to become my thing. That's just going to now be like my catchphrase moving forward, and you will all be blown away when it doesn't happen. That's going to be the new thing. But it is a beautiful morning outside, and it is wonderful to see you. Keith may mention that we do have visitors with us, a lot of visitors with us this morning. I know there's a lot of moving parts and pieces with people in the next couple of weeks with spring breaks, and it is certainly a joy to be here with you as we've had opportunity to worship our God, to praise Him together as we have done. And I'm excited about our opportunity this morning to open up His Word and to study from it. And that's exactly what we're going to do. We think about the book that we have in front of us, God's Word. If we were to ask ourselves, is God's word, is the Bible a big book? I think, generally speaking, certainly in comparison to most other books, it's a pretty good-sized book. I mean, there's a lot of pages found in our Bibles, and certainly there are a lot of words that are found there. But I want us to begin to think about how big God's book could be. What if God made a decision, sometimes that we wish he did, But what if he, in every circumstance and for every situation, gave us every single thing that we could not do in a certain circumstance or situation? If that's the way that he went about it. Now, there are certainly found in the page of the New Testament specific things that we are told by God. You are not to be this. You are not to do this. But for the most part, what God has done for us is he has given us boundaries. He has given us parameters. He has given us a pattern. And a pattern to stay within. A boundaries to stay within. A lane to stay in. And then for us and for him, if we step outside of that 
lane, if we step outside of those parameters, if we step outside of those boundaries, now sin has occurred. And I want us to begin to think about that idea with this specific word that we have up here on on the screen, the idea of morality. My little screen here isn't working. I'd really like for it to work today specifically. If not, that's okay. Maybe there's some magic that's going to happen right here. But I want us to begin to think about morality, what morality is. If we would look it up in the kind of by way of definition, it is an understanding of the set of standards of right and wrong. It is understanding that standard, the standard that God has set in place for us. It is a standard of right and wrong where he has set this and he says, listen, this is the standard that you would follow and now I've got a decision to make. Am I going to do the right thing and choose to do the right thing or am I going to make a choice and do the wrong thing? And so what has happened is God has established this standard the one that we hold here in our hands, right? He has established this standard, and now it is up to us in every way to follow that standard. Stepping outside of that is sinful, is wrong, is, per our word on the screen, immoral. And that's the word I want us to think about for a minute or two this morning. This idea of immorality or immoral. So, for instance, we're going to take that big, big word and we're going to think about it in a very specific way. So, for instance, we have up here on the screen behind me, not in the screen in front of me, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. You have the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the brethren there that, that was just read for us. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, you have this, flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And so what we have here in this passage is something that is clear, two really clear things. The first thing that is made clear is specifically about sexual immorality is that it is sin. And that goes with the word that we've just talked about, right? That, the idea of immorality. The standard that is set in place, now I have stepped outside of that standard, sin has occurred. And so the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is painting the picture. And he says, listen, sexual immorality... Sexual immorality is sin. And so this passage makes two things clear. One, sexual immorality is sinful, what it is, and then secondly, what to do about it. We can't get any more clear about what to do about it. The Apostle Paul says, flee from it. Run away from it. This act that is sinful, run away from it. Now, I want us to think for a second, specifically in the pages of the New Testament, it is not just in this passage, but in lots of other passages, we often will spend time talking about the dangers and the the downsides of sexual immorality, and absolutely we need to do that. 
It is dangerous. It is something that as a Christian, as a, as a man, as a woman, that we need to be fleeing from the idea or the, uh, the act of sexual immorality. But what we often fail to think about sometimes is what the Bible has to say about the proper use of the sexual relationship. It is now the boundary that has put, put in place. And so this morning, that's where I want us to spend our time. Well, what is the boundary when it comes to the sexual relationship that we have in this world? What is the boundaries that have been set in place by God? And then when I understand those boundaries from what we talked about earlier, when I step outside of those parameters that God has set in place, sexual immorality has occurred. Sin has occurred. What I need to be fleeing from has occurred. And so I think it would be good for us this morning to set those boundaries. Because we, I think, will be surprised at what God says is the proper use for the sexual relationship. Something that He has created. Something that He has designed. Something that He has put within us. Something that He has set up. And so if we understand that, I think it will help us to better understand sexual immorality, and the importance of fleeing from it. And so let's turn to another passage in the New Testament, this time in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 3. A passage that we often will cite and will talk about specifically in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning here in verse 14, or I'm sorry, chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. The writer will say, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. And so I want us to begin to think about, what is the proper boundaries for the sexual relationship? And we have a picture of it given to us here in Hebrews chapter 13. It is within the parameters of the boundaries of marriage. There's another passage very similar to that one in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 2, it says, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. What I like about this passage that helps us is that this passage, along with Hebrews chapter 13, make it clear that the proper place for sex in the world is only within the confines of marriage. And the unfortunate thing about our culture and our reality, I've got to add, only within the confines of a marriage between a man and a woman. We see it right here in Hebrews chapter 13. We see it right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And so now at the very outset, any sex that takes place outside of those parameters that has been placed, a marriage between a man and a woman, any sex that takes place outside of those boundaries is sexual immorality, is fornication. 
Now, that could take a lot of different forms, and we're not going to talk about all of those forms this morning. We're going to talk about just those boundaries in place. But it could take lots of different forms and look like several different things. But for us this morning, the important thing to understand is that God has established those parameters. And if I then take the sexual relationship and I take it outside of those parameters that God has set, well, whatever, I mean, whatever circumstance or scenario or situation that you want to come up with. But if it is outside of the parameters that has been set, a marriage between a man and a woman, it is sexual immorality. Doesn't matter any other factor. Doesn't matter any other justification that the world tries to come up with. It doesn't make a difference. If it is outside of those parameters, it is sin. And so I want us to begin to think this morning about not outside of those parameters, but inside. And I want us to remember, especially for those of us who are married, and are inside of the parameters that has been set by God. That this relationship is something created by God, and it is created by God for a very specific purpose to enhance that relationship in marriage. And the Bible and God has so much to say, more than we even consider and think about about the purpose and the good that comes with staying inside those boundaries with this beautiful thing that God has created. And so I want us to think this morning about what those things are. I'm going to point out four of them to you this morning. Biblical purposes for the sexual relationship within the boundaries that God has laid out. Now, the first one, I think, is the easiest one, and so we'll get it kind of out of the way first. But certainly one of the purposes for that is procreation. In the book of Genesis, the very outset of God's book, the very outset of the story in this world, the creation of the world, the creation of man. I mean, we are, in essence, still in the first chapter. In chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, towards the very end of that chapter, as God creates man to place into the world that he has created, he says this. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so as God has created man, and he has created woman, Adam and Eve, the very first recorded command for man is to be fruitful and multiply. Now there are certainly other commands to come. But this is the very first commandment recorded of God to man. A world that we live in, that relies on people within it. And so people have to come, and God designed the way that that would occur with a man and a woman. God designed that process. He designed all of that. And he says, that will take place within the confines of a marriage. 
between a man and a woman. And when that happens, something good comes out. And that's how it will be that children will come into this world. Those are the boundaries set in place by God. Now, that's the easy one. That's the one we talk about most often. But there are three others. Three others, purposes for it within this boundaries that I don't think we often think about that I hope can be helpful this morning. And the second one is this, the purpose of pleasure. Now, you might say, well, whoa, whoa, preacher, where are we going here this morning? I want us to think about a couple of things. Sadly, I believe that this idea when it comes to the sexual relationship is is oftentimes overemphasized in relationships outside of marriage. But almost just as sad, it's sometimes de-emphasized in the marriage relationship. I want to direct your attention to a passage in the book of Proverbs. Maybe you'll be surprised, you know, that you read a passage like this and you're like, well, certainly he's about to turn to the book of Song of Solomon. Nope. I'm going to do that. Proverbs chapter 5. Proverbs chapter 5. As the wise writer is writing and giving his counsel, consider this counsel. Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. He says this, Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. How? As a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be enraptured with her love. I think sometimes we read a passage like that and we're like, oh, are we even supposed to read are we even supposed to read that? Wise counsel. Right there in the book of Proverbs chapter 5. It is how God designed it to be. A purpose for it. And I want us to understand that as husbands and wives, those of us within the parameters that God has set, let us understand and let us be thankful for God's clarity here. And understand that sexual intimacy is there for our delight. I know I made mention of the book of Song of Solomon. We don't have time to work all the way through that book, but take just a moment as a husband and wife and work your way through that book and see the intended joy that can come from that sexual union. That's how God designed it to be. It is a joy. It is a delight that is reserved for the husband and the wife. And as a husband and wife, and the joy that comes from that relationship, be thankful to God for that. Because He has designed it to be that way. Don't be scared away by it. Be thankful to God for it. And so certainly the purpose is for procreation, the purpose for pleasure. But thirdly, the purpose is for oneness or unity. We've made mention already early on in the book of Genesis. We're going to go back there, this time to Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, as we work our way through the book of Genesis, and I know a lot of you, as you have an adult class on the book of Genesis, we're studying the book of Genesis or just finished the book of Genesis in a high school class. And what that book is, it is a book of beginnings. 
That's the word Genesis. That's how it is defined. It is the book of beginnings. It is the beginning of the world. It is the beginning of man. It is the beginning of sin. It is the beginning of death. It is the beginning of God's relationship with his people. It is the beginning of marriage. It is the beginning of lots of things. And in Genesis chapter 2, you get an incredible picture given to us here at the beginning by God about what that is to be. And he says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What a powerfully deep passage that is. As God designed what marriage is to be and what that really, that relationship between a husband and wife is to be like. It is to be like to the point that your own parents, you are to, to leave them, completely leave them and to cleave so tightly to one another. That you become one. How much closer can that be? How much tighter can that relationship become than one? We begin to think about the reality, the unity, the intimacy, certainly, that we can experience physically emotionally, spiritually that comes through the marriage relationship. And the sad thing is, this one point here and one of the purposes for marriage and for this relationship that God has designed is so missed and foreign in our culture. Sadly, we live in a culture today where people just hook up to hook up. The most unfortunate phrase of all is prevalent in our society, casual sex. A misunderstanding because there is no such thing as that. There's no such thing as that. Because it is something that God has designed for the husband and for the wife together to bring them close and as close as anything else that can happen. You see, God understands the importance of this relationship between a husband and wife. And he has made ways possible for them to become so close that he says it is one. So three things, procreation, pleasure, oneness, and finally, and one that may seem odd before we read the passage, but fourthly, generosity. Now stick with me here, and I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, a passage that we really began our study with as Lee read for us. 
Now, we're going to expand that context out a little bit. I believe that he was reading there in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I think he began reading there in verse 12, and he went down through verse 18, a, a, a verse that we've already talked about, right? Flee sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is sinful, so flee it. Get away from it. But I want us to extend that context, extend that conversation. I want us to see where it is that Paul goes next with this idea. I find it most interesting. We're going to pick up there in verse 19, the very next verse. We're going to bleed into chapter 7 a little bit. We're going to go down through verse 4 of chapter 7. What should follow along with me? We've already read verse 12, 12 through 18. Let's extend that out beginning in verse 19 now. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Verse, or chapter 7, verse 1. Now concerning the things of which you wrote to me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless... Because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Now, I want us to think about what Paul is talking about and why I thought it was so important to kind of extend this context a little bit. Now, it may seem at the very beginning of chapter 7 that he is switching gears completely and he is moving to a new topic, as he says, concerning the things of which he wrote to me. But let's not lose sight of what he has just talked about. Remember, as Paul is pinning these letters, they don't have verses and chapters. It is one sentence and followed that here with this next sentence. To me, it is really interesting because what happens, especially if we go up to verses 19 and 20 of chapter 6, what does Paul remind us of? Well, he reminds us that even our own bodies are not our own. They're God's. He bought them. Even the body that I have is God's. He owns it. He created it. But then he builds upon that in chapter 7 to make this point. But also, it is for our spouse, our bodies. And what that looks like is that we are giving our most important possession, ourselves. To our spouses. Now, I want you to think about that principle with me for a second. The principle that is set in place here that I have given my most prized and important possession myself. I have given myself physically and emotionally and mentally, I have given myself to my spouse, my wife. It's not mine anymore. It's hers. Now, I want us to think about that principle that's set in place. And I want us to think now outside 
of those parameters that we've talked about, where sexual immorality is, right? Remember, we step outside of those parameters, and now sexual immorality has taken place. What do you think about this principle? If I engage in sexual immorality in any way, I have given away something that belongs to my spouse. Whether future spouse or present spouse. And so for the young people that are here, when we begin to think about this, when you're like, oh, I'm not married yet. Well, you will be a future spouse is there. And what God says about the sexual relationship is it is within these parameters and these parameters only, a marriage between a man and a woman. And if I then engage outside of those parameters in some pre-marital sexual relationship, I have heard this passage that we have here. I have given away something that doesn't belong to me. Most certainly if I am married and I step outside of that parameter and I have a sexual relationship with someone other than my spouse outside of those parameters, I have given away something that belongs to her. You see, God is so incredibly clear on a topic like this. But I'll add here and in other passages, even to the brethren in Corinth, what does the Bible teach us about giving to do so generously? And if I have the idea and understanding in my mind that I will give myself, even physically, in a generous way to my wife, and she is thinking the same. What a powerful relationship that God has created. You see, those are the boundaries that he has set in place. Now here's our reality. Is there temptations to step outside of those boundaries? You bet there are. But are those temptations new to man? Not in the Bible that I read. We've been in Genesis chapter 1 and we've been in Genesis chapter 4 or chapter 2, excuse me. You can turn just a couple of pages from there very early on in the book of Genesis. And sexual immorality is a problem. Very early on. But is it something that I can battle against? Absolutely it is. Because God has placed parameters. He has placed boundaries for me to stay in. And it ultimately comes down to a decision that I'm going to make. Am I going to stay within those boundaries or am I going to step out? And when I step outside of those boundaries sin. Now one other thing before we close. One of the main points for this lesson in a lot of ways is not the dangers of sexual immorality. Certainly they are there. We need to be conscious of that. But I don't want us to lose sight. Do not lose sight, especially those who are here that are married. 
do not lose sight of the incredible blessing that God has given to us within that relationship. We need to be thankful to Him. We need to be taking advantage of that opportunity that God has given us. And we need to be thankful to Him for what He has done. A powerful relationship in a marriage that God has created. Yes, we live in a culture that is flippant with that relationship and tries to paint it in a very different way than God paints it. But let's not let culture do that. God is unchanging. And he has set patterns and he has set principles and he has set boundaries. Let us strive together to stay within them. Because stepping outside of them is a dangerous place to be. How dangerous? Dangerous enough where our soul will spend eternity in hell. That's how dangerous. So how urgent do we need to be considering these things? Well, our reality is the time that we have promised to us by God is only the time that we are living in right now. There's no promise of additional time. The only promise that we have is that there is a time in which our moments here on this earth will be done. And we will stand before him in judgment. Let's make sure that this time that we have, we make ourselves ready for that. And Matt is going to lead us in a song of invitation to give us an opportunity to do just that. Let's consider that. Let's consider if we are ready. And if we are not ready, let's do something about that. Maybe it is your sin that's separating you from God. And you know that through the waters of baptism, that sin can be washed away. And maybe you've been putting that off for some reason. We don't need to know what that reason is. But know that today, now is a perfect opportunity to do something about that. Or maybe you have stepped outside of God's boundaries. And maybe you've been...